Hello, folks, and welcome to another goddamn fun episode of RFRX. I'm so excited for this one. I've wanted to have this one for quite a while, and I'm really, really excited about it. Um, my name is Eric Wells, and I am the online programming director. And with me as my co-host today is Mr. Rob Palmer, and he's an RFR helpline agent and ambassador. Thanks for being here with me this evening, Rob. Well, no, I could I could not pass this up since I suggested Stephanie uh, do a talk. So, you know, how you could I not did. <laughs> Without further ado, Rob, would you please do me the honor and introduce our guest for this evening? Yes, thank you, Eric. So uh, Stephanie Kemmerer has been published in Skeptical Inquirer magazine and AIPT Comics. Uh, her main interest includes studying conspiracy theories and true crime, cathartically tormenting her Sims, I need to hear the story about that, and studying the 1990s era of militias and extremists. Her cat Squeaks was sent from the future by David Icke to free humanity from the reptilians, true story. She currently resides in Sunnyvale, California, but someday hopes to visit her home planet of Nibiru. Stephanie, <laughs> welcome. Thank you. Thank that you. has to be the most creative intro we've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie, welcome. I'm so glad you're here today. So um, where do you want to start? Do you kind of want to start with your own story? Like how you got to come on this RFRX show with your past experiences? Sure, sure, yeah. Um, uh, where, where do you want me to start? Do you want me to start with my predilection towards conspiratorial thought, or do you want me to start when I was deep in it? Uh, you know, what's kind of interesting to me, um, because the, the, the thing that happened to me is that when I started to doubt religion and was transitioning out, this, 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 the mentality that I had seemed to make it really, really easy for me to fall into these conspiracy theories. And I, I believed them for a long time. Um, is that kind of similar to, to what you had? Like, how did you get pulled into these conspiracy theories? It, it started out when I was a little kid, like, you know, the mysteries of the unknown series and the, that series of time life books and, yeah. and oh my just, God, those were so you know, and the you just ufos and cryptids and ghosts and that's that's the fun light side but if you're into that stuff well you might also you know segue eventually into weirder stuff and you know so it, it it was i was always interested in the the weird and the unknown and the fantastical and the mysterious you know just the stuff that there's no answer to but everyone's searching so, so you said UFOs. I was into that as a, as a kid, and I was actually spooked out when I started reading the abduction stories that that could happen to me. Paralyzed yeah. in bed, tractor beam through the through the wall or the window. Does that ever spook you out? Uh, yeah, yeah. I've 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 had I had an experience once falling and falling asleep at night. I was like maybe twelve or thirteen, and I I saw the the communion alien, the cover of Whitley Stryber's book. I mm. saw that image, but in my head, you know, my eyes are closed, and the image popped into my head. And my mom had to come in and like sleep in my bed with me to get me to go back to sleep that night. <laughs> <laughs> I was terrified like the uncanny valley is a real thing <laughs> and that's that's so terrifying 
So what yeah. kind of conspiracy theories are we talking about? Like, I know the, the time life books, my grandma had those. And some of those aliens really messed with me as a young kid. Like they were really creepy looking, but um, as I was kind of older, the things that I got into were way, way different than that. Yeah, well, well, you can go with the, 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 well, the UFO thing has like two sides to it with the, the whole like, oh, these creepy things are happening. There's that side. And then there's the uh, majestic side where Eisenhower supposedly made some kind of big, like, you know, intergalactic treaty with the aliens saying that they could abduct so many people per year and they'd give us like advanced technology and stuff <laughs> just, and they, they referenced it in American Horror Story the most recent season and and it was just fun to see that tied into the the topic <laughs> Stephanie we so we've said the word a few times can, can you define conspiracy theory versus conspiracy say yes that that and I think that's important too conspiracy is a nefarious plot between two or more people Whereas a conspiracy and, and, and there's evidence there's, you know, like 9-11 was a conspiracy. There were more than two people involved in bringing down the towers. But a conspiracy theory is an idea or a, a positive thought about a conspiracy. And there's no solid, you know, solid evidence to back it up with. So, you know, 9-11 was a conspiracy but the whole controlled demolition aspect of it was a conspiracy theory. Okay. Yeah, and, that, and that's interesting because the conspiracy was by a different set of people than the conspiratorialists blame the conspiracy theory on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that makes sense. Um, so like the planning, the secretive planning uh, and and... Uh, it doesn't even have to be like the implementation of, but just the secret of planning could be is is technically a conspiracy. But um, uh, when it comes to stuff that we, that has no evidence behind it, and um, and we still think it's a conspiracy, that's a conspiracy theory. Yeah, yeah, essentially, and it, like it's kind of like you know, MK Ultra was a real conspiracy, but then, and that is you know, for people who don't know, that is what. That was the, the CIA uh, in, engaged in a very long, very drawn out, very expensive and very unethical uh, attempt at achieving mind control through LSD. And we do have to give the CIA thanks for giving us the Grateful Dead. Although Chris, I'm sure, nope, I knew it. I knew Chris was going to shake his head at that one. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it, it was a failure. MK Ultra ultimately failed and they discovered they couldn't control people's minds and uh so but, but but then you know they they came out and they some people start saying that it was still ongoing and it was called project monarch which was a conspiracy theory because there's no evidence that project monarch ever existed so was when mk Ultra was actually going on was there ever a you know conspiracy theory in the work saying this is going on and people weren't believing it I really don't think so. See that that's that's another funny thing about yeah, it is yeah, it's a real thing going it, on, and they didn't even have the, like oh we know about this no because they didn't. And I tell people I, I I use COINTELPRO as an example. COINTELPRO was a very real conspiracy that was and and 
look, say what you want about the FBI, but this was the FBI under Hoover. Okay, so we, I think we can all agree that the FBI under Hoover was not a good organization. And COINTELPRO was discovered by seven draft uh, protesters who broke into an FBI field office in Philadelphia. They were looking to steal draft cards and instead they stumbled upon COINTELPRO. So they did not do a very good job covering that up. <laughs> How... How is how can you possibly tell the difference between like a real theory or a real conspiracy, something that actually happened, and something that we think has happened that there may not even be evidence yet for? Like Area 51, for example, that most people can't get into that thing. And so all sorts of crazy theories come out of that place, uh, like um, like aliens and UFOs being housed there. How could we um, sort sift through the real and the the fake well here's here's the thing I, I, and and you know i i still do indulge in conspiratorial thinking conspiracy theorists aren't very imaginative if anything was happening at area 51 we wouldn't have never known what area 51 was <laughs> if, if anything really is going on that's a decoy that's a decoy. I mean, that, you know, if it's really that top secret, then Area 51's a decoy. It's, it's probably just a bunch of frat brothers hanging out, drinking beer in a big hangar. <laughs> well, there's been, there's been a lot of talk in the UFO world, uh, skeptical about that. The, the government actually helped along, if not started, the whole UFO conspiracy thing because oh, yeah. we had planes that were flying higher than normal pilots would expect to see planes and they were reporting them and we didn't want them to do that. And we don't want to be, well, maybe there's a secret military plane up there, which it was. It's like, no, it's a UFO. Yeah. That, and that, that would be, and you know, that kind of like the South Park episode where, where the, the, the South Park episode about the 9-11 conspiracies where the end result is that the government created 9-11 conspiracies so that they wouldn't seem incompetent. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's always like a, an extra, like for me, I always think there's an extra level that it's almost like the conspiracy theorists like aren't taking it far enough in their conclusions. Like, like Illuminati, if they really existed, we would not even know that word. <laughs> um, that's, that's, what, that's what they would say. <laughs> that's what they want you to think yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the things that i kind of notice is that a real conspiracy has a lot more evidence behind it like you can actually trace or follow the paper trail back to kind of its origin my um sister-in-law is huge into these conspiracy theories and she had presented me with something about like the clintons flying on a plane and some crap like that and i'm and i actually researched this and i couldn't go past this one guy on reddit or some some channel somewhere who just said hey i know this is this happened for a fact that was it that was completely it that was the only evidence that it actually ever existed it was just that wasn't nearly enough yeah that's that's how a lot of these like um uh bill cooper uh the guy who wrote Behold a Pale Horse, um, one, of, one of his, he presents a document in his book called Quiet Weapons for Silent Wars. And he claims that uh, 
that he had bought a used Xerox copier and he found this document in the, the Xerox copier. And some researchers found out that it was just like a, a trolley paper that someone wrote in like the eighties or something like that. And, you know, there, there's always that, that little story. I found it on a Xerox machine. Yeah. Right. Bill. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. You did bill. Sure. <laughs> What would kind of what what is the kind of the set of um, thinking um, or even circumstances perhaps that would pull someone into the conspiracy? What, what are some of the basic requirements in order to uh, be drawn into that uh, any conspiracy theory uh, group? I I would say um, one of the biggest things is uh, powerlessness or wh- whether it's real or imagined and oh, a wow. sense of of helplessness, like like for for one example would be um, Black Americans are more likely to be vaccine vaccine hesitant in in some instances, and that's because of Tuskegee, and you know we really screwed the pooch on Tuskegee. That that was stupid. It was unethical. It was immoral, and it was completely evil. And that has there there are still black Americans and it, it's traced directly back to Tuskegee. So you, you can kind of see this, this element of, you, you can trace back where some modern day quote unquote conspiracy theories have an actual, you know, they, they have an actual solid foundational fact in history. You know, I mean, I, it, that, that's, that's really difficult to, to have that that sense of okay, I'll get the vaccine, but wait a minute, you know, it's it's difficult. I can and when you when you mentioned the Tuskegee or Tuskegee, I say it slightly differently than you. Yeah, yeah. When you mentioned yeah. that this was um, uh, where um, uh, white government agents were kind of testing medical. Uh, vaccines and medicine and other procedures on um, black Americans. Is that right? Yeah, they, it was, it was for syphilis. And oh, I think yeah. the majority of them never even got any antibiotics. They were all just being given, I, I believe placebos or something. And it, it, it totally destroyed generations of families because they thought they were getting cured and they weren't and then they were mm-hmm. passing it to their wives and the wives were passing it to the children and it, it's just it like I get a little choked up thinking about that horror because I just don't it, there's no justification ever yeah. for anything like that so there's hopelessness and a feeling of powerlessness um what else do you feel would uh, be kind of like requirement or a uh a uh, something that will uh, be able to put a seed in a, a person to be attracted to this con- to conspiracy theories. I, I think also that for a lot of people is, um, you know, you, you, you have the, the, the powerlessness and the helplessness, but you also have kind of ingrained in that a, a sense of isolation. Again, it could be real. It could be imagined. Like, look at, we saw the explosion of QAnon during the COVID lockdowns. And it's the, the more terrifying reality is 
you know, the easier it is to kind of buy an alternative reality, which is usually often more terrifying. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, and so, so there is an element of isolation, I believe also. And it's also a, I think curiosity is a humongous thing. Like, you know, you, everybody wants to, everybody likes re reading the crazy walls, but are you going to be the one creating a crazy wall? You know, that's, that's the, and the crazy wall is like the scene from it. So is sunny in Philadelphia where Charlie's in the mail room and he has all the strings and the, the strings tacks, and, and, pins and, 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 stuff and he's like asking that. who is Pepe Sylvia. And <laughs> so, yeah. You feel like, um, uh, uh, a sense or a feeling of like when I came out of religion, I can clearly see the difference between now and then where um, I've done a lot of work in learning how to think critically. Whereas before it was more based on my emotions and maybe my intuition and some magical thinking about how there was a spiritual realm out there uh, and such. Do you feel that is at all um, uh, partly contri may contribute to um, people getting wrapped up into conspiracy theories? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's, it's for some people it, it's, you know, the, the their quote unquote co-conspirators, if you will, are, the they form a community or as i like to call it a community um <laughs> and and you you find yourself you know what the, the, there's it's kind of like when you're getting out of religion when you're getting away from drugs or alcohol when you're getting away from conspiracy theories you are it's it's not just your thought that's changing it's your whole life because you know and even with quitting cigarettes you know may, maybe you can't drive that same road you used to drive because that's the road where you would smoke more cigarettes while you were driving or something, you know, so the, it, it's, it's not just your mind that changes or your view of the world. It's, it's everything, Every, everything drastically changes. What I've, what I've observed from, and I'd like to hear your take on this, what I observed from hearing a lot of people talk about this and, and also my perception of, of hearing people who are into it and also watching uh, behind the curve about flat earth believers is that part of the draw is now you've joined a great community, all of which know more than the rest of the population and you're, you're the woke ones and they're all fools. So you're special. Yeah. Yeah. You, you do feel, and, and that ties in with the, with the feeling of powerlessness and helplessness. You, you don't have, three letters behind your name, you know, maybe you know, I, I didn't finish college and, um, you know, you, you feel like, you know, you could be better, but there are forces holding you back. And, but now you have the secret knowledge. So you're actually better than everybody else. And it, and it, it, it ties in with that because it gives you a sense of, you know, oh, maybe I don't have any friends or I don't have a good job or and all this, but I know more than everybody else. Well, and now you're in a community of friends, all of which who are in the same bubble or who reinforce your belief. And for one thing, you're being reinforced. And secondly, you don't want to change your mind because then you'll be out. Yeah, yeah. That, that luckily for me was not really a big thing because I didn't really interact with too many other conspiracy theorists, like either in real life or 
online. Um, but I did discover it after I got out, all of a sudden I was more social and outgoing. Mm. So that that's, but, but for a lot of people there, there is that fear, like leaving a cult, you, you lose so much. Yeah, it is kind of a, um, the, the, the being a part of the in-group is really attractive to so many people as us as like really um, social creatures as well. One of the other things I've noticed, and it's really kind of along the same lines as Christianity or any other religion, was that this community would uh, totally cherry pick. They would accept the things that, um, oh, I, wait, cherry picking, I don't think is the right thing. Rob will be able to correct me when I'm done. They accept the things that fit into their theories, and then they completely reject and push away the evidence against their their theories. Yeah, confir um, confirmation uh, bias. Confirmation, yeah. thank you. But you often do that by cherry picking. That is true, either consciously or unconsciously. That's true. Yeah, and and well, one of one of the biggest examples of that, at least for me, because nine eleven was like my main jam, is World Trade Center seven. How did this building collapse? It wasn't on fire. Well, you know what? They're only showing you the least damaged side. Like after I, I, I got out of the 9-11 conspiracy theories and I watched a documentary debunking that stuff, they're like, this is the picture they show you, you know, in the conspiracy documentaries. And then they're like, this is the side of the building that was completely engulfed in flames. Boom, end of story. I'm like, why don't they ever show you that other side? Why don't they ever show you that other side? They never show you the back side of the building. Yeah, the same so, thing with the plane at the Pentagon. I mean, the images that they choose to show are it's like, hey, no plane at the building. We think it was a missile. And then there's clear in the news, this picture, that's a part of a plane there, like part of the engine. Yeah, the fuselage. You could clearly see yeah. the fuselage there. Well, they planted that afterwards. Oh, of course. <laughs> well, that's part of the right. Anything that disproves the conspiracy theory is part of the conspiracy theory. Well, yeah, exactly. I, um, I was looking over um, some stuff on Sandy Hook and, you know, they kept saying, oh, re release the death certificates. And Leonard Posner, the father of Noah Posner, did release Noah's death certificate. And Jim Fetzer in his conspiracy book about Sandy Hook just spends like three pages. Like, why does the N in Noah on this line look different than the N of Noah on this line? And why is there shading? And, you know, and it, there was a point where one of, one of the Sandy Hook conspiracy people was saying, you know, uh, dig them up and prove that there's someone in the coffin. And you know what, even if they had done that, it wouldn't be enough. They, then they'd come back and they'd say that that's a fake body or mm -hmm. we need a DNA test. And then if they did a DNA test, they'd come back and they'd say, well, that was obviously faked. So there, there really isn't, you know, and, and, and Lenny Posner learned trying to interact with some of these people that some of them just can't be reached because there's always going to be another reason like you want the death certificate certificate here it is oh well something seems fishy about this like it is you know for some of them it just doesn't end it's never enough you mentioned sandy hooks i don't know if you want to get there yet but i know that's what got you out of this way of thinking because you were a believer right that it was a false yeah. flag yeah you want to go there yet talk about why um, you, maybe why you believe that 
Um, what changed you? Jim Fetzer, <laughs> I got sucked in through the YouTube rabbit hole and, and Jim Fetzer, they, they, Jim Fetzer kind of did the same thing that the Zeitgeist movie did, like where he starts talking about like kind of spiritual stuff. And you're like, yeah, I can jive with this a little new agey, a little spiritual. I can, this, this, you know, this speaks to me. And, and then, you know, he starts talking about Boston Marathon and then he started talking about Sandy Hook and then I started watching some of the quote-unquote documentaries on YouTube about Sandy Hook and Alex Jones, Jim Fetzer and I was like oh okay no one died and that was that represented the absolute lowest of the low and um, I made a comment to a friend and the friend looked me right in the eye and said, uh, I work with the parent who lost their child at Sandy Hook. And I, I didn't, I didn't ask for a name. I probably could have researched it and figured it out, you know, but that didn't seem important. And to this day, it's, it's been like five or six years to this day. I have not asked my friend for the name and the friend could have been lying. Who knows? But, and, and even if the friend was lying, what they said to me represented a fact that I wasn't willing to entertain before is that somewhere out there is a person who has been directly affected by one of these things. I don't know anyone personally who was shot at the Aurora Theater, but somewhere out there is someone who knows someone who was shot or killed there or who witnessed it. And that made me open up a whole possibility of I can't I can't deny this stuff anymore because right here is there someone standing in front of me saying I know someone, and that alone just kind of made me, you know, this was a friend uh, we were we had been friends for at least twenty years at that point, so we're going on thirty years of friendship now, so it's um it, you know you can't I, I know there are some people out there who when confronted with that would still double down but this is a friend that i love very very much so so stephanie what what do you think would have happened if you had never known that person or that conversation never happened that um that's a terrifying thought to me that that is truly 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 terrifying because i i don't know if I would have gotten out. I don't, you know, maybe something else would have happened that would have gotten me out, but that was just the most shocking, hurting, you know, kind of, in a way I was kind of angry at myself too. So I, I might have, I don't think I would have ended up in QAnon, but I might've just kept going and believing this stuff stubbornly. I, I, I shudder to think I, I have a hard time imagining alternate me. <laughs> yeah, that's it's a, it's a scary thought for people because pretty much everyone who makes some life change, there's some seed event that they can trace it back to that at least started it. And if that didn't happen, where would they be? Yeah. 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 And, 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 and that is kind of a scary thought because you don't, oh gosh, I, I don't, I, what, 
what didn't they do like a series of like x-men comics where it was like alternate realities or something i don't want to read that comic book of my life (laughs) you titled this uh discussion um exiting the rabbit hole from red pilling to recovery and to me it seems like there's two like different stories in there like alice in wonderland and and the matrix do you want to kind of talk about uh why you titled it this um because uh i think red pilling would be really helpful to discuss because it seems to be like an any inside term and by the way those go together because in the matrix there was reference to follow the rabbit and the white rabbit so yeah 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 the wakasi's put that together yeah well, it, red pilling, I mean, what, aside from buying the real red pill from InfoWars, uh, you could, that red pilling does refer to the Matrix. And you can um, get a red pill from Alex Jones. Yes, yes, what? they sell something called the real I red can, pill. What? I can get a day quill and get a red pill. <laughs> <laughs> Is anyone yeah, testing yeah. what's in the thing? Um, I, I think. I'm pretty sure I heard on an episode Knowledge Fight they were talking about some tests were done or something, but it's, yeah, I, I wouldn't trust any of his health supplements. <laughs> and if he is taking the health supplements, you could see how his mental health is deteriorating mm-hmm. right there is all the evidence you need. But um, yeah, so he's he's playing into that, but it, it is the reference from the Matrix and um, it's and, and I hate the word woke. I hate it when it's used by the left and I hate it when it's used by the right. It just, I, it just, it's always made me cringe no matter who's using it, but it, it is a, you know, a reference to waking up the great awakening, you know, and um, I, I really, I don't like red pills and I don't, I certainly do not like black pills and that, that that's for incels and nihilists. So Ooh, I never heard Gotta, of that you know, black pill. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's that's even scarier than red pilling. That's, that's not that's, from the Matrix. Where did that come from? Um, I think they kind of used it. it. They kind of took the red pill and they kind of like added a little extra evil to it. That That's that. <laughs> it's really big in the incel community. And that's a scary world. So just real quick, what is an incel? Um, involuntary celibate. Um, and there, there's been a high uh, instance of involuntary celibates who have become mass murderers, such as Elliot Roger. He is, he's considered like the, the hero in the incel community. Didn't even think about those folks having heroes like him. Oh, jeez. Oh, they do, and they like their bowl haircuts. They get, they like to get bowl haircuts because it emulates the haircut that Dylan Roof had. Is, is there? And um, it's okay. It's okay if you have to laugh at some of this because it is horrible, yeah. and it is okay to laugh. Is I, there, you know, is there an overlap between incel community and QAnon? Other conspiracy theories? Um, there, there is a slight overlap in the sense that a lot of it came from like the, the 4chan culture and, um, very trolly, both, both communities are extremely into trolling and just cyberbullying and just lots of doxing and fail doxing and 
harassment and um it really there there is an overlap in in that and they both really like guns and they both like toxic masculinity mm. yeah now we talked about uh kind of about what um the red pilling is when would you consider yourself as like consider yourself as having taken that red pill like what was it what was the thing for you because we talked about sandy hook is the kind of getting you out of it but when do you feel like you really got into it well i kind of played around a little bit here and there like i bought some david ike books yes i actually paid for them at a store Uh, (laughs) and it just out of curiosity and stuff but what really got me and there's a podcast called the new conspiracists and they always ask their guests at the start of every episode what got you interested in conspiracy theories and they're gonna they're gonna name the same movie that i'm gonna tell you zeitgeist Zeitgeist. yes zeitgeist really um you know because they they did the same thing with with like that bill maher did in religious with like, you know, all these religions really stem from, and you're like, yeah, yeah, this is good, this is good. And then they start getting, then they slip in some sovereign citizen. <laughs> and then they also um, start talking about, you know, the engineers and architects for 9-11 truth and the nanothermite uh, demolition theories okay, and, and <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're talking a lot about in a lot of inside baseball here so the okay. nanite nanothermite is that a 9-11 thing like that's yeah. how the the beams were melting and stuff yeah, yeah mick, mick west did a whole presentation okay. on Icon about yes that. he's incredible okay. i absolutely adore him yeah so yeah, by the uh, way that, yeah, mick, that... mick west site i don't think we're you know, is metabunk yeah he yes he he went into he he talks about let's see what's his big thing uh contrails and then he got into 9-11 and now he's a great debunker of the latest oh yes the u.s government knows ufos are real so anyone wants to see that kind of information it's metabunk by mick west yeah yeah and and his book uh escaping the rabbit hole yes and and And, and one one and podcast yeah tales from the rabbit hole yeah, and he one actually of interviews people, conspiratorialists. Yeah. Yeah. And the one guy he talked to, I was like, wow, this is me. Um, because uh, he talked, one of the chapters in the book, he talks about a man who used to so, he was so in love with like that rush you got when you discover new information from conspiracy theories. And now he gets that same rush from debunking. I'm like, oh, that's that's me. Wow, cool. that that's so great. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. yeah. And I and I know people in the skeptical world who aren't into conspiracies, but they used to believe in the paranormal something or other, and now they get a rush from debunking those things, or I'll say they would say investigating those things and proving specific cases wrong. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's it's just it, it. There is there is like a. a pipeline from the paranormal to conspiracies it's it's a longer pipeline than some some of the other ones but there is a connection yeah that that you nail it because that was the the middle thing for me i believed in ghosts and and things like that too yeah oh my gosh i never made that connection before (laughs) 
and and think about i mean come on it, it used to it used to be a fun show i would even listen to it after i got out of conspiracies but let let let's be clear about this we like art bell we don't like george nori okay george knapp is okay but coast to coast am is such a it's so great but it's become more and more politicized with george nori at the helm and art bell was had a little more pushback with some of the crazy callers but some people like some of the funnest things to do was just listen to when people just but it was like three hours of people calling in and what is they, coast to coast they, am oh it, it's it's the craziest um talk show it's uh it was originally hosted by art bell but then it was taken over by george nori and it is just ufos cryptids haunted houses paranormal conspiracy theories just all sorts it, it of... would be the, th the show the one and only show fox Mulder would watch or listen to it yeah yes <laughs> yes it, <laughs> okay, it, it, yeah, right. he would say it's a science show that's what he would do yes yeah okay. yeah but that 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 kind of represents the oh yes x files that represents kind of the pipeline between, you know, coast to coast AM is kind of like a, a signifier of the pipeline between the paranormal and the conspiratorial. So I want to ask you about a quote that you said at uh, some place. I've read all your stuff recently just to be up on this. And I, and I saw you talk at the New York City Skeptic. So it was from one of those places. I don't remember. But you said something profound. All conspiracy theories are gateway drugs. What did you mean by that? Well, it it's... Um... You have, uh, you know, you're, you're sampling it. You're, you're sampling a little something and it, it, op it opens you, you know, like they always used to say, you know, don't do marijuana because, you know, this guy tried the marijuanas and five days later he's on heroin. <laughs> and, but, but it, there, there is an element of truth to that with conspiracy theories, except the fact that, uh, your heroin is also mixed in with some meth <laughs> the conspiracy theories so it uh, it does get it, it it is very very dangerous because if you will entertain one idea it does kind of make your brain more susceptible to other ideas and plus, I guess, like to use the drug metaphor, now you're going to be around pushers all the time or pushers of other drugs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When when I interviewed uh, Jake Rokitansky, um from the QAnon Anonymous podcast, and he was later in the HBO series about QAnon, um, I, I'd asked him, like, you know, a lot of the scene, a lot of the, the ways that it manifests in people seems almost schizophrenic. And I'm like, what what would you consider to be like the the difference and you know you'd said well with a schizophrenic you're surrounded by people who are not we're trying to help you navigate through this whereas with a conspiracy you know conspiracies there is you are surrounded by people who are enforcing that so basically conspiracy theorists are essentially schizophrenics who are getting therapy from other schizophrenics and none of them are on medication. Metaphorically speaking. Yes, metaphorically. Yes. <laughs> do, you, do you know what, what targeted, targeted individuals are? Yes. And I, I did have a friend who thought for a short time that they may 
have been one, but they didn't, it wasn't like the, the harp stuff or beaming thoughts. They just thought that they had, could possibly be a, um, a gang stalking victim. Mm. Yeah, so for people who don't know about that, there's a significant number of people. The New York, New York Times estimated as 10,000 in the U.S. I would guess it's 10 times more than that from the limited exposure that I know people or I know people who know people like this. And they think that their whole life they're under surveillance and like they're not somebody who's in an important job. They may be a waitress or something where no government official would care what they do, but they think everything in their life is being monitored. They leave their house, they come back, they have to check it for bugs. They may have to take their TV apart because it's, it's buzzing. And, and to connect it with what you had just said, in the olden days, they would just be delusional on their own. And now they connect with other people on Facebook who have groups and they all support, yeah, this is real. It happens to me too. And now you'll never get them out of this. I actually saw a TI car in real life at a hotel. What, what does that mean? Um, a TI car, the, the, you'll see, I forget what the, I think they call it a, a kook mobile, like, you know, crazy kooky mobile. And um, it's basically a, they, a car covered in signs that discuss their, the, the gang stalking they believe that they're under. And it, 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 it's like the, the little letter stickers you can get for your mailbox at the hardware store. Like they spend hundreds of dollars on dozens of those and cover their car with messages. Some of it's written. I, I saw a car it, down in Santa Cruz completely covered like uh, and being stalked. Please take photographic evidence. I wish I would have gotten a picture of the car, but I didn't. Well, then they would have seen you and thought you were the one following them. <laughs> right. so probably best right. you didn't. Yeah. That's so sad. Yeah, it is. What kind of, like, do you happen to know maybe like what happens in the brain for folks who are um, getting this positive feedback from within the groups? Dopamine, dopamine all the way. <laughs> dopamine possibly adrenaline not adrenochrome but adrenaline <laughs> you, you want to tell people what that is just people don't know what that is adrenochrome um, yeah uh, adrenochrome it, it, it is a real thing that is produced by the body and you can actually buy it without a prescription online supposedly just gives you a wicked headache i haven't tried it but i'm thinking about it and supposedly children are tortured in order to produce this oxygenated adrenaline and that you know that's you know like part of the, like a vampire type mythos where drinking it will keep you young forever but uh excellent researcher dapper gander um on his patreon did a great breakdown of it and basically uh, an average adult human can only produce like 0 0.05 grams of it at once so literally there it if you're going to be doing it to a kid the the amount they would produce would be even lower so it just there you know there's and just this no is, so it, this is part of the q on lore that that yeah Democrats... but it, it does predate it does predate it ah. david ike was talking about it for decades before q on so there's some under you know shadowy people who uh, abduct children and take this chemical from their body for their own purposes. Yeah, and, yeah, and, but, and, but it's a chemical you can buy online. Mm, so why would you? <laughs> Does it come in a red pill or something like that? Mm. 
Yeah, well, I, and Merck, Merck uh, we, we have to have a talk about the color of their COVID pill because it's red. Oh, oh boy. And no, that's not good. <laughs> now, with this dopamine, do you uh, get... It seems like the the more dopamine you get, like there can be a desensitizing to it in some sense. And so you kind of have to produce more and more dopamine in order to get the same sort of um, reaction uh, or, or a feeling. Um, it almost seems like that may be what's contributing to these conspiracy theories getting crazier and crazier. Do you have any uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, I had kind of reached the end of my rope with the 9-11 conspiracies. And that's when I started searching for more. Mm. Like, I, I remember thinking, like, I, I didn't ha have the words in my head at the time or the, the wherewithal or the knowledge, but I was like, I've heard all the 9-11 stuff and well, what's next? And I was like, Arctic ice walls, nah. Nazis in Antarctica. Uh, you couldn't do flat earth. Nah. And, and no, and someone tried like getting, they knew I was a truther and they tried getting me into flat earth. And, I'm, and I just got on Facebook and I was like, sorry, dude. That's too no far. bueno. Flat so you, earth. So you no. were a truther. That's all right. So, so there are so many theories mutually contradictory about what happened. What was your take on it? Were, were there were there no planes? Were there holograms? Were like what was it that what happened? CGI. The planes were all CGI. <laughs> what did you see CGI back in two thousand one? Right. It was horrible. Right. 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 Yeah, I was. Uh, I was. Uh, I was a no planer. <laughs> oh, I hadn't heard that term. No planer. Oh, there were no planes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and um, there was a, a, a so-called documentary called September Clues, and the um, guy who created it also made the astonishing, and th this, is, this is kind of like a, I, I'm not sure if this, uh, if September Clues came out before or after Sandy Hook, but you see a lot of crossing over because the, the guy who did September Clues claimed that no one died on 9-11 and that these were people all created by AI technology he called them Vic Sims. And even though oh, I was, even though I was a 9-11 truther, I did push back against that because I had worked as the head obituary clerk for a newspaper in Eastern Pennsylvania. And, um, I had gotten some obituaries for people who had died in the World Trade Center. And in order to get that obituary in my hands, before it even makes it in the newspaper, there has to be a medical examiner or a doctor who signs off on that. And in the absence of a body, they, they do a, you know, a court case to have the person declared legally dead. Then that's signed off by medical examiner, doctor, pathologist, and then that information is sent to a funeral director who has the death certificate and all that information. And then the funeral director sends that obituary information to me. So there's, so I was like, I, I did obituaries for some people that died on 9-11. They did die. Wow. They really did die because they're, they're, there's a process. There mm -hmm. is a 
process. And there were people where I had to refuse their submissions because they didn't have a death certificate or they didn't have a funeral director to sign off on it. So you knew that if the name got to you, it was for real. Yeah. 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 So I, I did push back against that idea. And I also did push back against the, you know, they said that it was strange that, you know, all the bodies got immolated, but some passports and papers still survived. When, when I lived with my dad and we had our house fire, sure. I, I have a picture of it. Everything on the counter in the kitchen was destroyed, except for the roll of paper towels. Yeah. Oh, so we mentioned cherry picking before. I mean, that, that happens big time with yeah. conspiratorialists, right? You find yeah. thing. Oh, look at that. How do you explain that? Yeah. Yeah. So we, have, we haven't really gone into too much the connection of religion and conspiracies, but like, you know, so I, I watched the uh, the January 6th events in, in real time on TV as I was just expecting a normal boring day of just, uh, just you know, the counting of the votes. And I saw people walking through the Capitol Rotunda carrying Q flags and big flags with crosses on them. So then I learned that there's a big overlap between Q, QAnon and the religious right. So what can you tell us about that? Well, it, it's, it, it's all, um, they're, they're trying to kind of, t- and Alex Jones says this a lot too, they're trying to take the concept of soldier God and soldier Satan into kind of a, a real life arena. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to denigrate someone for believing in God or the devil. What I am going to denigrate them for is that they believe that there's a war on earth between the two that you know that's a little that that and that's kind of what is being represented by a lot of the the oath keepers you know the alex jonesian type and um it, it's it's very big where they want to you saw it in ruby ridge too with randy weaver and you saw it in waco where the religion directly tied into a paranoid ideation and it did not end well for anyone so with QAnon do you think it has to do with mm, I don't want to say listening to authority but they're not listening to the government authority they're listening to other people I guess uh, with a religious bent saying this is all God's will like how, how does how did that melt together like it started with Q drops which were uh, as far as I know not religious they were just having yeah. to do with government policy so how did that meld it to the point where you get somebody carrying the cross and the Q flag at the same time? They, they see themselves as warriors for God. And if you look at a lot of the, the memes, they have like Donald Trump as some big muscular like Greek God figure. And they even have a picture of Mac, Mac, his last press secretary of her as like an avenging angel carrying like they they're you know and so it, it just became this slow process of further I think they they kind of started to insert some of the religion in because it made it 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 touched a nerve more politics is enough of a nerve pusher but religion kind of stabs at it a little bit deeper and I think it's also used, they, I think a lot of the QAnon people are using religion, whether they know it or not, because that kind of indoctrinates the person further. And it's like, oh, well, if you get out of QAnon, you're not turning your back on Q, you're turning your back on God. 
and they may not even be aware that that's what they're doing. So QAnon is mostly a bottoms-up thing. I mean, the Q drops are from somebody above, but really, like maybe until the thing in Texas, wasn't some specific person, right? Am I wrong? That was driving it. So, like, was this just a grassroots thing that melded the Christianity into the movement? Well, they there were several other Anon accounts that appeared shortly before QAnon, and it's it, it's. I mean, you kind of have to understand the culture of um, 4chan. And, you know, and, and I would I would point people to um, Q Origins on Twitter. Great account and really, really, really dives into like the tech aspects of it and stuff. But a, a lot of it, um, it just happened that Q just, you know, Q Clarence Patriot succeeded where FBI insider Anon or CIA Anon didn't and they were all kind of pushing the same things and it it was just bad luck you know or good luck I guess if you want to look at it the other way it just became something that everybody would not everybody but a lot of people were saying that and um yeah it's uh I, I'm sorry I just saw something in the the chat that did they turn overturn Roe v. Wade? Is that a real thing that's happening? That just caught my eye. I hope oh. to God they did not. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's uh, it, it's just the culture of 4chan, which was very, very trolly, very it just the the darkest stuff you can imagine so am i right in that there has not been a q drop since last year um december 8th 2020 wow was that the was last a long one. time ago so what do you make of that well in the absence of q they're all fighting for i think it's actually worse that q stopped posting because now they have to create their own ideas and it's all conflicting and it's really spread to a whole, it just the infighting, um, you know, oh, Flynn called Lynn Wood a liar and Mike Lindell's mad at, it, it's like a, a soap opera of, I mean, just imagine a soap opera starring nothing but various versions of Elon Musk. That's essentially what it's turned into. So the the uh, thing that happened, and maybe it's still happening, I lost track, when they were meeting down there on some anniversary of the JFK assassination, although it really wasn't the anniversary, waiting for the new, I don't know, return of yeah. JFK Jr. Is that like over? Because that's been months and months and months. Did, did that go away? That that no there um it, it has i guess they've splintered off into three groups um and um i'm hoping to see ariel pop into the chat because he's been keeping track of this more than i have lately but it, they, they've splintered off into different groups a bunch of people have left um 
you know, some people have been rescued and others are still there and, and they themselves have formed warring factions. So I guess it's negative 48, negative 47 and negative 46 now or something. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. Well, let's, let's get a little bit back to, to you. Um, you had mentioned a, a, a big part of your coming out of that or, or waking up or coming out of the conspiracy theories was have, knowing someone who was directly affected by um, uh, the Sandy Hook. Did you have any doubts before then or was that kind of like the very first thing that triggered uh, triggered this? I No, I, I did. I did have doubts. I, I remember because I didn't really even know what a podcast was at the time because I'm a derp. And so I was just watching stuff on YouTube. So I would go on YouTube and type in 9-11 conspiracies. And, and I remember there were a lot of times when I was doing that, when I heard a little voice in my head saying, just type in debunked, just type in debunked. Oh. And I just kept, and, and it would have only taken like an extra second and I should have done it. But, but I did hear that voice in, you know, telling me type in debunked type it in just hit debunked and then watch that video and i just didn't i just kept like kind of pushing it away but i i realize now that having that voice even if i did ignore it but having that voice and knowing it was there told me that i was kind of collecting myself and you know i might have gotten out i might have been getting ready mm -hmm. and i mean recovery from this i mean i'm sure that uh once you decided to be out of it everything was just fine and you didn't have any after effects and it was all done right that's exactly how it happened i'm sure right well no it, 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 <laughs> there was a there was a long there was a long process after after my friends flew back home, the friend that told me about, you know, about the Sandy Hook thing. I decided to skip over Sandy Hook and I, I did finally do that thing in YouTube. I typed in 9-11 conspiracies debunked and I, I found a seven part documentary. I, I forget the name of it. I wish I remembered, but part, you know, they broke down all the different issues and the main points. And then part seven was about the mindset of a conspiracy theorist. And they use the, um, the example, they, they talk about the um, outward and external locus of control where you feel like you have no control over your life and stuff that everything else is controlling you. And they use the example of um, you wake up tired, you hit the snooze button, you're running late for work, but it's the jerk who's driving slow in front of you. It's their fault. It's not your fault for hitting snooze. And that really like hit me hard mm. and painfully. And I actually, I said out loud, I just, I was in an empty house at the time and I said out loud and I kind of looked around. I was like, that's me. I'm not going to be like that anymore. And, um, you know, it, it took several years to kind of get, myself to the point where I feel comfortable or safe you know anymore but it that that struck me 
to have that realization of, wow, I'm the one who would drive like an idiot and scream at slow drivers because they were driving too slow, but it was my fault because I was putzing around the house and I ended up leaving for work late. That's not cool. That is not a cool way to live. And mm. yeah, that it was, it was a, it was kind of a painful thing to actually have that, that realization of essentially, oh, I'm a shitty person. <laughs> <laughs> you know that that again sounds uh, such like such a mirror to so many other folks who are kind of coming out of uh religion to this realization um that they were contributing to some of their own problems and not taking responsibility for things um how yeah. has you know how has life been for you as uh, after like post uh red pilling after you've come out of the rabbit hole how has life been for you do you think it'd be better or worse or everybody an asshole or <laughs> it's um it's it's way better i'm um i'm able to actually interact with conspiracies without getting sucked back in i've been reading jim fetzer's no one died at sandy hook book to prepare for when we cover the topic on my upcoming podcast and um i i gotta say that's that's a big achievement for me to mm -hmm. be able to read that because there are things when i come across things that i can't quite understand you know but i'm just like i know these guys are lying everything they say is a lie so mm -hmm. but but then when i come across something that i can't quite account for Put the pdf away and i go off and i do some searching and i'm like aha okay that was that was where they were coming up with this and it and it's all nonsense so um yeah but it, it's it's gotten to the point where i have i i can kind of absorb knowledge easier and kind of better and in a way i'm actually more open-minded you know, you would think, oh, well, conspiracy yeah. theorists, they have really, really open minds, but actually <laughs> not really. And I'm able to deal with people in social settings a lot better. And I'm not coming off as Asperger-y as I used to. I, yeah. I used to be pretty certain that I might have had Asperger's and I'm not manifesting that as much as I used to. I mean, it's not the same for everyone, obviously. And, you know, I, a lot of it has to do with my partner who's been very supportive, very caring, very loving and very fun to be around. And that, you know, that that's giving me a nice support base where I can kind of focus on, you know, the inner therapy. So... Yeah. So one That's of the great. things you said that really touched me in the, in the last interview I said you give, uh, I think it had to do with when, what you felt when you left. And if I got this right, correct me if I didn't, you've, and this, this reminds me very much of people I've talked to on the helpline who just decided that they don't believe anymore, uh, that it was crushing. You felt like weeping and sobbing and dead inside. Yeah, and that that also that's exactly. And I heard the same thing, same thing from Jatarth Chadeja. 
Um, he's a former QAnon follower, lives in Australia. He's been on CNN a bunch of times and he's spoken out. And he says when, when he realized that Q wasn't real, like he just went outside, he had a cigarette and he just, he felt that same feeling when I, when I heard him describing it, I was like, exactly what I felt. Cause I, I, I felt like a whole, the conspiracy theories like filled this hole inside of me. And then with them gone, I was like, oh God, I got to fill that hole up. Oh God, so much work to do. <laughs> Uh, yeah, religious people say there's a you know, God-shaped hole in your heart. So that was a conspiracy-shaped hole in your heart. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, if you're, if you're, and, you know, and if you're careful, you can fill it with your own version of spirituality or religion, but you've got to be careful when you're coming out of conspiracies or if you're coming out of religion, if you're coming out of religion, the conspiracies are going to be waiting there for you and they're going to be so tempting. If you're coming out of conspiracies, religion is going to be there waiting for you and it's going to be so tempting. It's it's very easy to, exactly. you know, it, so I, I just urge people to just use caution and care and try to avoid all that stuff for a little bit when you're exiting. Now, a part of the, the poll, um, we had most of the people here uh, have been in contact with friends or loved ones who um, are uh, really entwined with conspiracy theories. And um, with that follow-up question, a lot of them had had strained or even lost relationships because of it. How, um, what would you, like, how could people work with this? Like, if I have someone that I know, which I do, um, uh, who was deep into some of these conspiracy theories. What, what can I do either for myself or for them to, um, to work through it? I, I kind of, I, I, and I suggested this on the first pod that I was interviewed by Skeptical Inquirer's point of inquiry. Um, and I, I still, I still, back this up to this day i think something like south park like sit down watch some south park because south park takes stabs at both sides equally mm. and usually as someone in a conspiracy theorist is either going to be extreme left or extreme right and south park is kind of like a middle ground and i you know and you know, your liberal friend will be laughing at the conservative joke and the conservative friend will be laughing at the liberal joke. And it, they, they make fun of both equally. And I think something like that is a good point where, you know, if, if, if it's a friend where you can sit down and watch TV with, I think that that's something like that. And I also suggest like kind of, kind of like using their idea to help de-radicalize them kind of like come at it from look we're not saying the government is good we're not saying that no one's ever mm -hmm. done bad things and kind of try and bring their focus onto the real stuff like let's talk about mk ultra let's talk about COINTELPRO. let's talk about the real things that help you know even if you can't get them out of the conspiracies let's kind of shift their focus onto the real ones and then from there they might be able to kind of slowly come out of it 
And once they do, you know, the, the biggest difference is when you're in the conspiracy, you see that it's some shadowy, faceless cabal, you know, well, not faceless, but, you know, people are in this shadowy cabal. And then when you come out of it, you realize that it's systemic. It's not a group of, you know, powerful people necessarily, but it's more of a systemic thing that there is no face or name to it. And, you know, I think, I think kind of trying to shift it from a shadowy cabal to having them understand it's systemic, you know, just tiny little baby steps, you know, maybe a little mm-hmm. South Park here, maybe inside job on Netflix. Cause that, that was a great, great show. And the, the jokes were just chef's kiss. Hey, thank you for, uh, <laughs> thank you for mentioning that. So I'm going to paste the, uh, the review I did of it from AIPT, the same place that Stephanie writes. So, so my, my favorite part was when they're trying to take down the robot president and <laughs> he, he pulls jet fuel out of his bag and she goes, jet fuel, we know that's only good for melting steel beams. <laughs> Stephanie, thank you so much for coming on and talking with us. Yes, um, yes. We have got a lot of questions. You opening to answering some of them? Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, one of this was at the very beginning, and I didn't quite hear this answered, but did you get any comfort out of believing in conspiracy theories, or, or did you still feel like the world was still super confusing? Yeah, I, d- I did get some comfort, and let's face it, how much more comforting is it to think that no one died at Sandy Hook than to deal with the fact that 28 people, including the shooter, 20 of them children died that day. I would rather prefer that no one actually did die there. I would much Mm. prefer that it had been fake. There, There was definitely comfort. Rob, you want to take another question? Well, so um, there was a question that said, why are some people drawn into conspiracy theories? Talked a little bit about some of that, I guess. I I think it can. It's just, you know, a lot of some people do like to connect the dots. And I mean, I see it a lot in the true crime community, too. I I definitely do see a lot of uh, you saw it with the Gabby Petito case. A lot of people want to solve a mystery. You know, they they want to be that one in a thousand or that one in a million, you know, civilian solves cold case that investigators when I, you know, you, you want to have be the one to solve a problem, even if it's not a real problem and even if it's not a real solution. Well, someone also asked, um, do you have an idea of what percentage of people believe conspiracy theories? I'm not sure on the exact numbers, but I, I know it it has gone up. I, I saw some recent polls, something about like Republicans who believe like Biden never won the election or something, and it was just an astoundingly high number. So, I mean, I don't have exact numbers on it. Um, 
I know the Rasmussen polls tend to lean right when they do their polling. Um, I'm not sure about the other polls. So I'm, I'm sorry, I don't have the exact numbers. And, and, and for sure, you know, people who believe different conspiracy theories would believe in a different percents. But one thing I've read is like, if you believe one, you're much more likely than someone who doesn't believe any to believe many, right? Yeah. So your, your experience. Yeah, yeah, and and it because it, it's it's kind of like it it is kind of like a drug, you know. I mean, some people will just stop at marijuana, and others will be like, "I want to try mushrooms too," you know. There was just an episode of Skeptoid about um, the JFK assassination, and it—I don't remember the exact number, but it was—it it blew my mind that like something like I want to say over sixty percent, seventy percent of Americans believe that it was more than the official story oh yeah and and we have oliver stone to thank, thank for that for by that. the way yeah. oliver stone's son is into QAnon. oh wow <laughs> so that kind of tells you and look i love natural born killers and even jfk was a good movie but i saw that like when theater. i when i was when i was young and i watched it like i came away from it thinking Wow, they finally solved JFK. No, yeah. it was all conjecture. Me too. It was a damn convincing story. Because nobody wants to, because it's really hard to believe that a single man who was abusive to his wife took down the most beloved, young, handsome, charming, charismatic president ever. Nobody wants to believe that we've got another question here have you heard of the lyndon larouche movement or larouche movement it sounds familiar is that is that um is that part of john birch or is that part of the birch society yeah, I i'm know. thinking it I, i'm thinking in my head it has something to do with john birch i'm trying to Let's see here lyndon larouche well, okay. Well, oh, socialist workers. I've I've heard of the name, but I haven't. Okay. I'm not. I, I will have to look into that. Um, uh, we have another. What do you feel? What are your feelings about um, how fear plays into uh, joining conspiracy theories or believing conspiracy theories? Well, it, it's um, David Eichen. Alex Jones like to talk about the Hegelian dialect, the problem, reaction, solution. Well, that's part of their business model too. Fear is a great, you know, no one's going to buy Alex's, you know, food buckets and health supplements unless they have enough fear, unless he convinces them that they have a reason to be fearful and they're going to need those food buckets and those supplements. So they're actually, they're, they're using that problem reaction solution. Fear is a very big part of it. Got it. So another question was, is there a high turnover among conspiracy theory believers or is it a small cult of a group that's staying for life, subscribing like to the latest Q post? I see how there's the, here's the weird thing. And this is anecdotal. I see a lot of posts about people on Twitter saying 
you know, this is day so-and-so of my sobriety from drugs or alcohol. You don't really see that in conspiracy theorists. Most, most people who used to believe in conspiracy theories kind of, and I don't blame them. I, you know, I, I don't, but I, I think it's kind of our duty to speak up. It's kind of hard to tell how many recovery, how, how much in recovery are out there. Um, so it's, uh, it's hard to tell, but it's easier to speak out and to tell someone, I used to be a homeless heroin addict than it is to tell people that you used to be a conspiracy theorist. It's really hard to tell. And that's, that's why I, that's why I speak up and that's why I encourage other people to speak mm -hmm. out. We've got time to, for two more questions. Rob, what you like that, the YouTube question. How about that Great. one? How much of a role do you think things like YouTube algorithms could contribute to the echo chambers, uh, you know, that suck people into these sorts of things? Very, very huge. The, the autoplay, the autoplay feature, excuse me. And um, also there was, there, there was a lot of elements of, oh, okay, you looked up this video about Joe Rogan. Well, you know, maybe you'll like this video by Stefan Molyneux. You know, and there, there, there is a, the algorithms are pretty, pretty bad, pretty dangerous. Yeah, anecdotally, I have heard that many or most even, and this is from, I think it was Sargent himself, one of the like leaders of the fire movement, that most of the people he greets into the movement came because they started watching some YouTube video about the JFK assassination. Could have happened. I mean, it's not paranormal. It's not beyond the realm. And then YouTube suggested, hey, how about this flat earth video? And then they got sucked into it and believe it. Yeah, yeah, and I, I heard, I think it was on the QAnon Anonymous podcast, they did an experiment with like a new laptop and a brand new YouTube account, and they selected a topic, <laughs> like five videos later, you know, here's a Jordan Peterson video, you know, so it doesn't, it doesn't take too much. I, I, I hope they've cleaned it up now, but who knows? And uh, the, the final question for this evening, um, what is your feeling on how the deep fake technologies that are coming to, into their own, how is that going to affect the conspiracy theory landscape? And can you oh explain God. what the deep fake is uh, briefly as well? Um, well, the deep fakes are, are just incredibly amazing, like CGI technology. And um, that if you wanted to make Zelensky say in a video that all Ukrainians are Nazis, you could do that with the technology that exists. And there, there's, a, there's a double problem to that now. A video emerges, let's say a video emerges of Zelensky saying that. And it comes out that it was a deep fake. Damage has already been done to right, some people. Right. And, but then you look at it from the other side. 
you know, and you could see Marjorie Taylor Greene doing this. You have a, a video of her harassing David Hope, Hoagland from, I think David Hope from Parkland shooting. Well, she can just come back and say, oh, well, that's a deep fake. So it can be used to radicalize people and it can also be used in a, as an excuse for people to disavow things that they've actually done. I hadn't thought of that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Stephanie, thank you so, so much for coming on here. Before we kind of wrap up, do you have any final thoughts or things that we didn't cover that uh, you want to conclude with? Um, I just wanted to kind of give a, a plug for um, Prism Meta News, and I put the link in there. And we are, um, we're working on a, a support system uh, called Discussing Our Unusual Beliefs Together. So we're going to be doubters. Um, and uh, I'm also going to be recording the first episode of my podcast soon. We're going to be calling it True Crime Spiracy. And it's going to be myself and retired FBI agent James Harris and He's a former FBI agent interested in conspiracy theories, not as a believer, but, you know, and I'm a former conspiracy theorist interested in true crime. So we're going to kind of discuss true crime cases that got involved, that somehow got, you know, sucked into conspiracy theories like Parkland and Aurora and Sandy Hook and um, Johnny Gosh. So we're going to be, you know, kind of exposing, experimenting, discussing a lot of these strange topics from a skeptical perspective. Awesome. Again, thank you very much. Recovering from Religion is a nonprofit organization whose mission it is to provide hope, healing, and support to those struggling with issues of doubt and non-belief. Hope, Healing, and Support is waiting for you on our website, recoveringfromreligion.org. There you can speak or chat with a trained agent who will work with you through your struggles and doubts or to help find resources that may work for you. You can also find local Recovering From Religion support groups in your area for the long-term recovery work. Resources specifically curated for those struggling with doubts, disbelief, and trauma can also be found on the RFR website. To connect with a secular therapist in your area, go to seculartherapy.org and create an account. If you'd like to support the work that RFR does, you can donate or sign up as a volunteer on the Recovering from Religion website. It's also a big help subscribing to the RFR YouTube channel, our blog, or following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Questions, comments, and suggestions can be emailed to us at rfrx at recoveringfromreligion.org. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you'll be with us next time on the Recovering From Religion podcast.